this is great. I, I'm so glad. I, some of the people that I've talked to about the show are a little younger and I have to explain to them what certain things are. It's like, oh, fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck off. Here's what a videotape was, you dipshit. Right. I mean, it's this not their fault for like, being yeah. young, but fuck off. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I mean, luckily, like, I was always, like, sort of a grumpy old man, even when I was 16, 17. So it's been a pretty seamless uh, transition. I kind but, of, like, got a little wild in my early 30s. I was like, yeah, I like drinking a pitcher of martinis now. Well, you know, you earned it. You made it to 30 made it to do that. You know? I, outlived, I outlived Jesus. What the hell do you want from exactly. me? Exactly. Once you outlive Jesus, you do what you want. I'm Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend Amy Rivers reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us. Whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us nourished our bodies and minds or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting. And today we are blessed and favored with the presence of George Sukara, old high school friend, filmmaker and podcaster extraordinaire of the podcast Worst Seen, Best Seen, as well as the guy with the, the weird shoe, what was it? The guy who wears a weird shoe on Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. Here he is with us today, George Sukara. Oh, hey, this is great. Uh, this, is, this is my favorite show. <laughs> oh, hi, George. Hi, and also I really like hearing people list my credits. That's also one of my favorite things, so. Thank you, Sasha. Oh, my my absolute pleasure. I can't, I could not be more excited that you are on the show today. I love your podcast. We were talking about it before we started. I think it is the funniest podcast around. It's so awesome and everyone should go and listen to it. George, we love it, but you can you tell us the concept of the show? Uh, yeah. Um, so we, we take two movies, a, uh, a good movie and a not so good movie. And we look at the worst scene in the good movie and the best scene in the, in the not so good movie or bad movie. And then we pit them against each other in a, in a battle to see which one wins. And um, that's, I think that's it. Is that, am I, Jesus Christ. I, think uh, I should it. know, it's my show, uh, <laughs> my co-show. Um, yeah, so, so uh, my good friend Richard Something and I do this, uh, we're on a bit of a hiatus, but we are coming back soon. Um, so uh, it's an exclusive. You've heard it here first. I think Sasha's favorite oh. episode is E.T. versus... Um, Mac and me. Yes, we talked about yeah. it. Yeah. This film pleads a case for nuclear war. Just end it. Hand the reins to the roaches. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, I have said that about several different things, not just movies. Um, <laughs> 
I've, <laughs> I've really leaned into like a, when we were all in high school together, I was this old man that's like sort of like weird, grumpy old man. Um, and I've really just, uh, just, just stayed on that straight path, you know, you just dug in. Like I, huh? Yeah. Like I had, I had a Chandler haircut in the late nineties. Sure. Um, but, uh, it didn't really take. Well, George, I don't know if you know this and I don't mean to embarrass you. You may have seen yourself that way, but there was a period of time in high school where every single girl had a crush on you. Oh, it was like a two month period. Sasha backed me up. Yeah. The season of George. The season of George. <laughs> it was like every single one of our girlfriends, at least in my group, was just like obsessed with George Sukara. You were like the sexiest man alive. Mm -hmm. You wow. know? The teenage I, girl it, eye of Mordor shifted uh, and landed uh, squarely on you. Yes. I mean, it, it may have been all the pheromones from the dead men's clothes I was wearing uh, from the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So in addition to the wonderful podcast that me and Sasha absolutely love, you're a filmmaker and you've made two films mm -hmm. in the past five years. Ish. I, I don't really, I've got a bad concept of time and math. So it's probably longer than five years, but yeah, we made we made a feature film um, a while ago uh, called A Hard Day's Nightmare, and then we did the follow up, which is called Hell. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun to to make these, and it's also I would say that if you want to get rich quick, making a zero budget movie on the weekends while you're working forty hours a week and um, begging people to come work for free isn't a, isn't a way to do any it's it's basically a way to like work cl yourself closer to the grave sorry that I, I could have written that better but you know i'm riffing now <laughs> it's i'm just saying kids it's hard to make a movie for no no money but luckily no one's telling you what to do so um where can these movies be seen that's a hell of a question uh our first movie actually has just gotten its first dvd release through oldies.com there's a there was a Bay Area late night show called um, Cinema Insomnia with Mr. Lobo, like sort of like Elvira or Goulardi, that kind of thing. And he was in our movie and then asked if if he could actually cover our movie. So we actually got our movie on his show and he did the whole late night thing where it was like in between stuff. They were doing bits and they interviewed us or he interviewed us. And so that version is available to buy for like five dollars at oldies.com. And it's great. It's actually a really good way to see our movie it's um now the other one hell is the bigger one with the bigger budget and so that one we're still we're sort of george lucasing that one uh, a little more nice. so george we we asked you to come on our show because we are watching big trouble in little china which we hear is one of your favorite films of all time ever yeah that's fair there are some some movies that kind of shift in and out of my favorites but this one is remained Oh, I mean, I love this film a lot, but I think that growing up, my brothers loved this film. And that's how I watched it a zillion times was because basically my brothers, Mark and Aaron, were constantly putting it on and they would often win the battle of the VCR. Um, I admittedly rewatched this about four times this week. <laughs> I did too, myself. Yeah. And I've been watching this, I would say, off and on for most of my life. And just the last couple of times I've seen it, I watched it twice within the last week. Uh, there are all these little things like, wow, that's actually really weird and funny. Like Lopan is way funnier than I re remembered him being. Way funnier. 
figure, oh my God, when he is old man in the wheelchair yeah, yeah, and he looks on is, the monitor and he's like, what, these are yeah. friends of yours? See, that's yeah. when it pisses me off to no end. I don't I, know. I think I like cry laughed. That whole scene is so, so funny. Oh my God. Oh. Tell me, where's where are her parents from? Tell me about your girl. I want to know all about <laughs> your girl so I can get with her. So yeah. funny. Oh, never, never mind that I'm some like ancient sorcerer, but you know, right? give me some tips. Like, yeah, just give me what she's points. about. What's her favorite soda? <laughs> what kind of candy she likes so I know when we go to the movies. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was hilarious. But that part, this just really pisses me off to no end. I think I've been saying that all week long. Yes. Sorry. So this movie came out in, in 1986. John Carpenter directed it, of course. And, and it was kind of pitted against the golden child and the yeah. golden child won out this one did not do well yeah but that's that's theater. only because of eddie murphy's clout eddie, because we know and john carpenter knew at the time that the correct move to make was to get as far the fuck away from the golden child right. as possible i think we did a good pairing with the golden child especially since we didn't know going into that pairing that they were actually pitted against each other in right. the same year and that Jar john right. carpenter was up for both of them and made the choice to do big trouble in little china yeah it, very smartly regardless of the fact that it bombed he made the better right. choice he right. definitely it, made the better choice. one of these movies is still being re-released in special editions and and they're making posters of it and the other one is the golden child yes so, <laughs> so i listen to all of your episodes I, i'm a huge fan and at the end of every one i always want to like just I wish I could just call you both and just have a conversation for an hour about the episode. But since this is the fault to Golden Child, I want to say that I feel like the Golden Child might have been like when The Abyss was coming out, all these smaller studios like, oh, man, James Cameron's making this thing. You know, the guy who made Aliens, he's doing a thing underwater. So they just made a bunch of movies that was like Aliens underwater to try to get them into the theater before Aliens. Uh -huh. Or like when Big was coming out, there was like Vice Versa and yeah, like yeah. Father Like Son and... Um, you know, so it's like that sort of race to rip off the bigger studio project. I think Golden Child was the supposedly the bigger film, you know, was going mm -hmm. to be the bigger film. It's just, it just sucks. And this film, right. in my opinion, I think it was just before its time. It's like a defining film of this certain right. weird genre. Then, then it's, it's then also then like, like the... Oh. No, no, go ahead. I don't even know what I was going to say, bro. All right. It's like... <laughs> Well, I appreciate being called bro uh, this early <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> um, but it's it's like this, the ultra fallible hero. And then you have, and then, you know, decades later, you've got like Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's like, oh, you can also have that in like this multi, multi-million dollar franchise thing. And so I think it did lay a lot of like groundwork for these sort of goofball heroes that we've gotten after that. You know, and that was the thing that I totally forgot or never even recognized when I first watched it. Like when I first watched it, right. Kurt Russell's John Wayne impression, Mr. Macho. <laughs> oh my God. Before rewatching it this time, I was like, oh no, he's the hero and stuff. And he's actually not. He is the, a fumbling, ridiculous character. And in fact, John Carpenter said something to the effect of, you know, um, what's his name in the film? Uh, Jack Burton is is Jack the sidekick, Burton. but he doesn't know he's the sidekick. Like no one told him. Which is what's kind of upsetting about the very opening scene, which which incidentally, yeah, 
I didn't even remember. And it never comes up again, like the attorney or a, a police chief or whatever. And there's a court reporter shadily in the background taking these notes and there, you know, he's being interrogated as to the, the whereabouts of Jack Burton. Um, and apparently they went in after the fact and put that scene in to establish him as the hero, as more of a hero presence of right. the film. Whereas before it had just started with him in the truck. And that's, I was like, yeah, that's I, that. And that's why I don't remember that scene because it makes no sense. Right. It never comes up again. And he's not the hero of the film. Right. And it also kind of ruins the symmetry of the movie. Um, yeah. you know, not, to, not to jump to the very last scene of the thing, but you know, I mean like it open, it should have opened and closed with the truck. And I think, and again, I think it's really funny that once again, we have like tapped into like some kind of weird zeitgeist thing that this is the month right. that we're choosing to do this. I will say that the director is not Asian. The writers were not Asian, um, but so much of the cast and like the stunt crew. And it's like, this is totally a tribute to yes. like the martial arts films. like. And not just like the Kung Fu movies, like there's like real like deep love of like the weirder, more mystical Chinese martial arts films, which are great and a lot of fun. And um, I think fairly well duplicated in this movie. Yeah, I felt like a, like an enough, like nothing rang totally super offensive. No one's just like, I have an accent for you to make fun of. It's none of that. It's none of that. It was more exciting for me to actually see Asian characters in a story than being offended by anything that was said or done or like, I didn't find any offense in it. And my brother's in it. He's, he's uh, Thunder, by the way. I never knew that they had names. And yeah. when you put it in the show notes, I didn't know because I've always referred to them as like the lampshade crew <laughs> and their names to me like that thunder. I, I've always called him Stay Puffed, Stay <laughs> Puffed, Chops, and Light Bright. Those well, are their Light Bright is, is Aaron. Like that, that dude, the <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's why Aaron fucking loved this movie because he's the dude who gets to ride the lightning bolts. So it seems like we got into the soup without even, you know, trying and we've already hit the first scene with Egg Shen yeah. and the attorney. Mm. Let's get into the truck with oh my God. Uh, Jack Burton. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason that, there, that that Egg Shen scene, besides the fact that it does not support the idea that Jack Burton is the hero of the film, it's a crap, crap opening scene compared to this dude wearing sunglasses at night, mm -hmm. mashing a hoagie, driving like a bat out of hell in the rain, spitting freestyle beat po poetry into his CB radio about life. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the biggest sandwich. Uh, oh my I've god! Ever seen. The idea of eating that while driving—like, I don't know if any of you <laughs> have driven a a, a, a big rig. Uh, it's my my side hustle. Is uh, yeah, I'm a long haul driver, um, and an MMA fighter. I would also put that out there for all of my fans. Um, so in truth, Jack Burton was based off of you. Yeah, yeah. It's like Jack Burton or Stallone in um, Over the Top, sort of. That, that's where I, I live somewhere between these two um, icons. But so like, you know, that's a lot of gears, I guess, if you're just cruising, whatever. But still, that's a, that's a lot of sandwich. His pants are not splattered with uh, sandwich droppings when he gets out right. later. I also have a thing about touching food. So like, I, I'm not a great sandwich person in general. <laughs> And I don't eat when I drive so well. Um, anyway, yeah, I watched this with a little bit of horror. Not so much the sunglasses, because, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Driving in the rain with sunglasses at nighttime, I've done it. Um, we'll do it again. But the eating the sandwich, that's what bugs me. Yeah, they just looked for, like, what's the manliest fucking sandwich we could possibly find? 
make it a nine foot long hoagie. Yeah. And he's going to eat it with one hand while driving this ginormous wheel. Yeah. It just, this is the definition of masculine machismo. And it's, it would be frightening if it wasn't so entertaining. And the one-liners start pretty much immediately. We've got, it's on the reflexes. I actually wrote a lot of these down so so Sasha could could do some some line <laughs> readings here. Emerge, you could do some line readings. Can I point one thing out before we get to the Please. produce market or whatever? He doesn't just eat the sandwich. He then eats his dessert, which was a hostess pie. It's like he has the full complete meal. I don't know if you noticed that. Like at the end, like the last, he's like he switched to a hostess pie that he's eating out of like an apple pie out of the bag. Um, just just I had didn't to point catch that out. That. We have like the full meal. Yeah. I guess they didn't show the part where he's eating like the appetizer, like his salad and then the sandwich (laughs) and then the uh (laughs) he's just driving with with his elbows. He's got like the the salad bowl in one hand and the fork (laughs) in the other. I love a hostess pie. I'd eat one of those. I think those are good. I've got some gross things that I like. Sasha doesn't isn't digging this. Oh god, hell no. When's the last time you had a hostess pie, either of you? I, it's oh, been a long time and I would like one oh, right now. No, I promise you, I promise you, your taste buds have matured. And if you came anywhere near one of those things, you'd want to scrub your mouth with Brillo. All right, so now the Pork Chop Express goes yes. to San Francisco's Chinatown and he delivers his cute little pigs and then spends the rest of the night gambling with his Chinese friends. What game yeah. are they playing, so, George? Do you have any idea? Is it dominoes? What the fuck are they playing? It's, not, it's Fantan, I think, is what they're playing. At one point, he says something. I hear him yelling something about Fantan. It's a lot of yelling and laughing. Once they're done playing the game, and mm-hmm. Wang is like, "No, nah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta win this money back, right?" And they start to get into it. And Jack says that thing. He's like, "Oh, you know, I thought just you know racial differences aside, we're just two guys, you know, two Californians here." He loses the money. He asks for the money back. And Wang responds with, I don't have that kind of money, Jack. I'm just a poor Chinese boy, you know, born on top of this here cotton gin. Like, what the fuck was that about? Like, where did that even come from? I don't know, girl. I don't know. Like, why is, why, why did they, I just don't understand, like, why it feels like any, every movie in the 80s, like, they did it in, in, um, in Say Anything. Like, we haven't, we haven't anyone do a black speak yet. That's always funny. Get that in there. Well, then you're going to love my movie because it's all that and (laughs) racial stereotypes. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, so yeah. So, they're gambling all night and then Jack's the winner. His best friend, Wang, basically, he, he loses, but then he doesn't have the money. So, he follows him to the airport to, you know, so he makes good on his payment. So, Wang has to go to the airport to pick up his is, now is it his fiance already or is it just a girl he loves yeah, yeah that's, that's his, his, that's his from, fiance from yeah peking um and also on the drive to the airport jack burton is not looking at the road hardly ever <laughs> yes really yes, another just, thing. just focused on wang chi not focused on the highway it's so scary um every movie that that happens and it freaks me out at the airport we also meet um gracie law played by Kim Cottrell, who is this like white savior lawyer. And Kim Cottrell, yes. she's pretty amazing in this movie. 
Oh, I, I love like, her. Well, I mean, we'd know nothing if it wasn't for her character. She's the queen of exposition. Like, we, we well, wouldn't know. Yeah, her, her, and, her and Margot. But, but she does it so well. It's like this 1940s way of like, every time she introduces something, she then like gives a little proclaimer of who it is. But she does it so well that you hardly notice that she's doing it. Like, I'm hats off to Kim Cattrall. I think she yeah, did no, it well. she's she crushes it and i love her whole reason for doing big trouble in little china she only was doing film acting to support her career as a stage actress concurrent with um simultaneously with filming big trouble in little china she was doing a production of chekhov's three wives or three sisters three, three wives sisters. my brain just go three sisters <laughs> three wives i went I, I watched that mormon thing on netflix the other night um so she um, she's doing three sisters and that's the only reason she was doing big trouble in little china so that she could keep doing her stage work oh how respectable yeah. how absolutely respectable and she does she crushes it in this as just like spunky gracie law who's got all the exposition and I, she delivers it with the perfect tone and cadence like you're reading a comic book and then we get jack burton spies her from a distance and is like oh yeah i mean let me just let me just see if i can pick up on my little lunch break here and what I what, what what can I make happen with this lady across across the airport? And she's so she just delivers that like it's Miller timeline about how stinky <laughs> he is so wonderfully, and everything about him is mockable. So that she just says that is like it's so generous, it's so generous of her character. As he said, I don't remember what is on his hat. It's a Harley Davidson hat. It's a Harley Davidson, Davidson right? What if two Harley Davidson hats, the sunglasses, the two small poncho-like um, sweater that he's wearing, his snuggly pants, and Renfair boots? That's exactly what, what those is are. He wearing everything. He's wearing everything at once. All, <laughs> all of the things he's wearing them at one time, and I love how how it happens like he loses the hat he loses the glasses mm -hmm. they he gets stuck kind of stuck in that tunnel later in the fight scene right. and then we lose the poncho and it's arms time it's he's awesome. also got like a raincoat at some point like a some kind oh, of a yeah. duster yes oh, and he's got the most next level man purse he carries a saddlebag saddlebag absolutely <laughs> well i originally this was going to be a western that's it. There's the, and there's the there's the John Wayne reference. There you go. Yeah. Yes. The first the the first draft of this was it was a western, and then when John Carpenter took it over, they were like, all right, we're not going to do western. We're going to do modern day. And so, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about getting a saddlebag. Uh, I don't know if my laptop would fit into a saddlebag. I mean, it looks like a legit bag to carry. Like you're still hands free. Pretty cool and durable. But the Renfair boots, though. The Red mm -hmm. Lord have mercy. Yeah. All right. So the, the Lords of Death show up at the airport and we get our first kind of action scene. And um, we we need to get those glasses reproduced for our merch shop. Man. Oh uh, man. The white ones. Like the one guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Those are great. Somebody was saying that they were like the most racist glasses ever. And I was like, you're too woke if you look that's at those glasses. And that's where that's you're over the fucking top. Is I can I can see where they're going with that, but it's over the fucking top. Those glasses are the fucking shit. Yeah, right? I, just weirdo new wave glasses. Yeah, yeah, that's that totally exactly. Yeah, we're that. not and we're not we're not culture canceling the fucking white sunglasses. People. Yeah, it's Come not going to happen. Come on, and we have no real understanding. Again, Tara, 
Tara is there to be picked up by Gracie Law. We don't, we never find out like, is she a witness for a court case? Like, does she have something on the Lords of Death? But for whatever reason, they show up and that's not good. And they make a beeline for Tara to kidnap her and end up taking Mao Yin in her stead. And ultimately all they do with her is sell her into prostitution, which is pretty fucking gross and dark. Um, but that's, is that like, that's just what they do. Like that's their, what they do on the 2 PM shift. They cruise the airport, snatch a girl and steal her into prostitution. Like there was no real under, like it never came back around like the importance of Tara or why they were going for her. Specifically. Like Eddie, like later on, Eddie says something about that. They were just cruising to pick some, like to, to, to snatch somebody or something. Oh, so that's, but that's yeah. just, that's like, it's Tuesday. We this snatch a it's well, snatch chick tuesday yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's <laughs> time to go to the airport you guys right i i love when they're in the airport and jack steps in you know to try to be the hero and the guy flips out the the uh the butterfly knife and then like the extending baton thing he's like, wait where'd you get that it's just this, <laughs> it's just so so very confused it's so great I, what I love so much, I love, I love that it's this kung fu thing, and I love that all of the fight scenes are bloodless. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. When, when our next fight, which is the the gang fight, yeah, that, you know, during the funeral, there is a point where somebody's arm gets broken. Sure. Oh yeah, and it's like. Cool. And it's, yeah. oh my God. It, it, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is creepy and gross, but there's no blood. There's, yeah, no, there's no blood. blood. And it's so great for that because it's just like, this is happening, but you can still use your imagination and we don't go over the top with effects yeah. and, and making it super gnarly and nasty. And it's fun. It makes it fun violence, <laughs> which I really, <laughs> really appreciate. Yeah. That whole street fight scene is probably one of my favorite scenes not even just for that but just the, the choreography of it the mm -hmm. timing of it um the way the, the lampshade crew shows up the sound everything yeah. how they each have their like individual entrances with the, oh and the the crazy looks on oh, their faces but what's the deal with these like giant lampshade hats like what was with the costume designer like did they have like a trauma as the child where they were like you know what like really like freaks me out like fucking lampshades we're integrating that into the costume like where does that why was that the shape there's probably some like chinese lore or like some imagery of chinese warriors from like way back in in lore times and that was like a thing and now i'm making fun of something that's very real but i just was like this no is no no, no. Fuck, that. fuck that fuck that like those hats are inconvenient like if you were exactly. a warrior, they're inconvenient. exactly uh -huh. besides the fact that they're the three storms. Do they really need headgear? Although ultimately mm -hmm. it doesn't take much to take them out when it comes down to it. I do, I do have some notes about that, yes. Right? We also have to oh. talk about their weapons. Oh God, right. yes. We got, we got the crazy, the we got the crazy blades, the back scratchers, back scratchers, and the spinning sporks of fury because that's what it looked like. It looked mm -hmm. like picnic cutlery, but it was metal and it was spinning like a pinwheel. Yeah. But the and, back and scratchers. Fuck! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say like before, like before they show up, there's like the big, big fight between the um, Cheng Sings and the oh crap. Wing, oh, the oh no, we, Amy, Amy did awesome show notes. She wrote it down. What Wing Kongs, the Wing Kongs. Wing Kongs, right? So there's like there's um, the dude who shows up with the meat cleaver, and it's like there's a guy oh, who's yeah. got an AK-47. There's a guy who's got like the bandolier <laughs> and the guns. 
but the guy's got a meat cleaver. And it's like the dude who shows up with a meat cleaver is scared. Like that guy's nuts. It's like, the truth. I don't want to fuck with that guy. Yeah. And um, definitely the dude who intentionally brings a knife to a gunfight. Be afraid yeah, of that yeah. motherfucker. Definitely. <laughs> Because there's a difference, right? It's like it's like the difference between shooting someone and then something happens with a trigger and then actually having yeah. to hack into somebody's flesh. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's like no, no, I'm good with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh. Uh, and so like, I guess this, this <laughs> like this starts as a funeral. Um, the, this whole fight we're talking about, but like, so I, I've never been to a funeral that's been this exciting. Uh, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know. I performed a wedding in fresno uh, a long time ago where an uncle and a nephew got into a fist fight over a woman who they may have been related to and then got arrested so i mean like that's maybe as good but um wait a second yeah. you officiated this wedding yeah, yeah yeah it was the first the first wedding i officiated um and uh Amazing. so that was pretty good that was pretty good are you are you for hire here is this a commercial is this a yeah, uh, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I'm semi, I'm semi retired. I'll, I'll come out of retirement if, if it's an interesting offer. But otherwise, I also then that that same wedding got hit on by these two women who were like, oh, you're the minister. That's hot. It's like, oh, <laughs> Fresno, man. Oh, my God. Can Fresno. Be... Fresno is a freaky place, man. I got family out there. I spent some time. Let's say Fresno, man. Like Fresno, man. That's it. That's it. Oh, Thank you, you guys. You guys have got to. I'm, I'm actually working on designing something for you guys that just is fucking aerial because oh, yeah. like, fucking aerial man. fucking aerial absolutely I'm not i'm not lying i'm a huge fan of the show so <laughs> oh my god that makes us so happy oh, oh my god so okay so what happens that, okay so then lopan's freaky ass shows up he's a goddamn drama queen because he's standing in front of the truck and he's incorporeal so he doesn't actually need to get like how does he even get knocked by the truck um which i was was then like on you know my fifth watch of it this week I was like wait a second he doesn't inhabit a body how could how could his body have been hit by this truck but so they they hit lopan and he pops up from the other end all like hasala be afraid of me and and jack burton is like what the fuck and then Lopan looks like he's fighting back the worst sneeze of his life, only to then sneeze out light from his eyes and mouth, which is one of his superpowers then is to blind and then I guess mind control the person. Why he would have any interest in doing that to Jack Burton, I don't <laughs> understand, but that's what he does. And then we have a moment where I like freak out and can't shake it off for about five solid minutes when he is blinded and uh -huh. Wang is like, no, just come over here. Let yeah, me just splash yeah. some E. coli in your eyes yeah, and that'll get yeah. rid of the blindness. Oh yeah. Lord. I, I've lived in San Francisco for almost 20 years and any kind of puddle of water in this city, do not put anywhere on your body, especially your eyes. Right. Like that's, I mean, yes, if you want to get, if you want to be a Ninja Turtle, maybe. Sure. You know, yes, if, yes. if you're really yes. working hard at figuring out how you could mutate yeah. and get some kind of superpowers. Splash all the puddle water in your orify. <laughs> or is it orifices yeah. or orify? What would it be? But like, yeah, put all the puddle water there and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was shook as the kids say. I was like, oh, oh, oh. and I don't know if the, I've always been a bit of a germaphobe, but now mm -hmm. COVID has really taken that like fucking next level for me. So anytime some shit like this happens in a movie, I am yeah. legit beside myself. <laughs> with horror, just like, oh, I can't, 
they can't. Yeah, and so then yeah. and then they run into like now is this is this on a soundstage or is this actually yeah. in Chinatown? It's on a soundstage, think, right? Because as it looks soon so as he turns, stages. as soon as like uh, Wang says go, is it go right or go left now? Once they go down that little alley, it's all soundstage. Like we're not it. in San Francisco again until like the last shot. You know, I love it. It totally it so looks and feels like the tour of the Universal Studios back lot. Yeah, and I'm just right. like I'm waiting for a tour group to come walking through. Just like oh shit, sorry. We're in the shot. <laughs> um, and then so they walk into some like they get into some abandoned spot where there's one of the yellow turban dudes who's like don't you know. Shh. Can I just say, I love how when they go through the window, there just happens to be a mattress there for them yes. to fall on. Just like yes. just... everything that just happens to be about that spot, mm -hmm. like when the door opens and they come, they see the feet rushing down to come and catch them. There just happens to be three special shoots because every building has some strange giant rat holes in the wall for a grown ass man <laughs> to be able to come go through, turn left and and scurry. <laughs> right. And then, of course, this is where. Jack Burton's poncho gets stuck and then it's arms time. And so then they make it back to Wang's place where Jack Burton is now wearing a, like a, a little, little silky robe and screaming at mutual fidelity about his insurance premiums, which I thought was just really, really fucking hilarious. It's just mutual so fidelity of Sacramento. Of Sacramento, exactly. He pays him, he pays them six G's a year, honey. So they better have a record of who he is. And that was a really good Kurt Russell yeah. doing John Wright. That was really good yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, points. That's what I'm here for since we don't use clips. George, we've discussed using clips in our show and then we decided that it's much better to just have Sasha do all the impressions. Oh, I 100% agree, <laughs> yes. Anyway, and yeah, so, so we're, while, we're at while he's While he's on the phone, and I don't know, maybe I found this so annoying because this is the thing that my mom does to me. Like I'll be on the phone talking and like trying to handle some serious shit. And then out of nowhere, in the middle of a sentence to another human being that's not in the room, my mother attempts to start a second conversation with me mm -hmm. as if my brain can divide and handle those two separate things. And, and is at this moment, is that Wang's dad? Who's old? Uncle, 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 uncle. China is here, Jack. What the fuck? Why is that's the moment where you feel like you want to start that conversation? <laughs> I think that Jack's reaction to that is also, you know, yes. pretty accurate. Yes. I'm on the phone, dude. What the fuck? I'm trying to get my insurance premium sorted out. You talking to me about China is here? And he's like, China is here. Fucking this dude and 12 foot dude. Now you see him. Now we don't. That's who's here. What the fuck? And then we get all the the mysticism and the and the conversation about of this. And then Gracie Law shows up because she just she didn't even have keys. She just walks in. And I love it. She she comes in and she's yeah. like, "It's me, Gracie Law." Gracie Law. Yeah. I love like the also the introduction of Eddie, who is uh, as a kid is like, "Yeah, I don't need Eddie." And now as an adult, like, "I like Eddie. I like Eddie's Eddie a bomb. lot." Eddie's Eddie the best like dressed guy in in Chinatown. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's all plaid all the time Ooh. but there's like even more like 1940s stuff here like eddie says something about like they would end up in the hell of being cut to pieces and then jack says mm -hmm. the hell of what and then eddie says the chinese have a lot of hells and then the uncle says what the hell is gracie law doing here and it's just like this great it's so like, awesome bit of it's, it's sort of like a like an old thin man movie it's just like banter 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 the the thing that got me with this movie is how like it is just dominoes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another and it just click, 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 click. So you hardly yeah. 
you cannot keep up with this movie. It just moves so quickly. This movie is also all about thwarted and aborted attempts at doing something. It's just like a lot of failure. Like there's just like, it's so weird. Like where, where does the third act begin? Because there's so many second act moments where it's like, oh wait, that didn't work. Oh wait, that didn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like they, this they, next they thing that we're going to so talk far. about. They get so well, far. Yeah. And so they just far. get knocked back to the beginning. It's like, all right, gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> So no, first they have to go to the brothel because um, Miao Yin has been sold by the white tigers to, um, or no, not by the white tigers. To the white tigers, by the the lords of death. Right? So she's now in a brothel. So Jack, he's going to go in as a customer wearing um, like this mustard suit and glasses. And when he asks for a girl with green eyes, they say Chinese girls do not come with green eyes. Uh, but they're lying about it because Miao Lin is in a secret room in the back. And then mm. this rescue is interrupted by the three storms who cause an earthquake and kidnap Miao Yin. Like there's one, before the storms show up, this is something that I only noticed last night. I rewatched it again. Jack's looking through a binder of all the, the, the women who are available and a prostitute walks uh-huh. by him and he looks at her and it's like this, this like in that one look, he's, he's sad and angry and disgusted. And it's this weird thing that I had never noticed before. It's like the most noble Jack Burton thing. It's just like that he's so angry that this exists in the world. It's very unexpected. I'm gonna rewatch it because I was actually thinking that before the earthquake happens and he's in the room with the, the girl, she's like, take off your tie. And he kind of is like, okay, I'm getting ready to do this. Right. I, I was like, maybe if the storms didn't show up, you would have gotten lucky. Like, No, I I think like if you like watching from, from that expression to this, where he's like, he's like kind of peppering her with questions. Like how the fuck does this, it's basically how, how is this happening? Yeah. And so I think that this is like, oh, Jack Burton is actually a really good guy, I think. I want to think of it that way. Cause I thought he was like legit checking out her butt, but is still a decent dude. No, you know? no. If, if if you watch it, like I was sitting, I was like, like, oh wow, weird. He's just like he like. There's a bit of rage in his eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I appreciate see? that. I'm see. This is this is awesome. This is we have some some manergy on the show. <laughs> some some other perspective because right. I have a feeling right. we would have run with the other with the other notion oh, for sure. Oh sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I because I was kind of uh, disappointed because I was thinking he was like into it but but it yeah. is true. it feels like he is he's kind of asking her questions not like a cop yeah like a cop like like and and i like that he's more sympathetic and it actually is more befitting of his character because he doesn't you know the machismo thing is an act because of yeah. course yeah he, is, he does get frightened. yeah he is fumbling and all those things yeah. so, so it it really and does. he's and he's an upstanding Dude, and he and there are a bunch of small little things like that. Like when they get captured, when he <laughs> and Wang get captured by the three storms, and they're in the wheel, those weird like wicker weed wheelchairs, yeah. and they go for Wang, and he's like, "Hey, guy, da da da." He does. He's very like, "Bring your attention yeah. back over to me. Don't don't beat up my on my friend." Even though his friend's like a crazy ass kung fu master, right, <laughs> he's right. like, "Yeah, no, no, no. You can go ahead and direct your rage right over here." So he's like. Totally a stand-up dude that's willing to take one for the team, just like when later, when they actually do get the girls out and they're like and they're beating through the door, they're breaking the door, and he's like, they've only seen me run, go hide. Right. Right. 
period. Yeah. Jack Burton's a good dude. So yeah, so the, the storms show up and they are dramatic as fuck. Like they have mm-hmm. so many superpowers. Like did they need to envelop the building in like a right. green cloud? No, like they can do so much. They can do so much that like they just wreak havoc they're like angry toddlers. They're like, we can, so we will. And like, there's just no finesse. There is finesse, Sasha. The finesse is that they are riding lightning bolts. Right, is yeah. <laughs> in the world. Like, I don't care if the effects aren't top notch, the eighties, you know, they're getting it. But them, the idea and, and the homeboy just, holding it like it's fucking an elevator pole and they're just like the shit okay like i'm down i love that (laughs) so so a a, a side note here is that that whilst um we're in the brothel and all this mayhem is happening from the three storms gracie law downstairs uh Uh, yes we we get introduced to margo who is a journalist who is, you know, once an expose on, on, you know, the underbelly of China town, not of China, of China town. <laughs> and I love, I love all the lines between her and Margot, between Gracie Law and Margot, when she's like, have no fear. We have our best man inside right now, stirring the pot. It's just a living comic book. I love it's it. So I love well it. Written. Yeah. So they get out of there. They don't get Mielin, right? Because she gets sucked up into the air with light bright. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then we go to Gracie's office. Right. This is the point where a lot of expo- exposition. <laughs> <laughs> you mean David Lopin, the chairman of National Orient Bank and owns the Wing Kong Import Export Trading Company, but that's so reclusive, no one's even laid an eyes on this guy in years. That David Lopin. The Wing Kong Exchange, the most dangerous cutthroat den of madmen in Chinatown. <laughs> oh my days. It just makes me want to make a stage play of. Oh. Man. Big Trouble in Little China. And I think that that needs to happen. Yeah, I'll play Eddie if if, if the part's available. No, no, you're 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 directing it and Captain. Oh, okay, cool. Um, you can play Eddie, but you have to direct the thing as well. I'll yeah. I'll I'll help out with some of the writing. Sasha can do costumes and then play all the rest of the characters. I just I want to play the three oh, storms, good. all three of them. Oh, great! Simultaneously. <laughs> Jack is, he's kind of the straight man here. He's the one who's constantly saying like, I don't believe this. Yeah. Tell me again. And whilst- Yeah, similar similar to the golden child where where Eddie Murphy, where Chandler Gerald is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like in the truck, like when he's riding to the airport with Wang and he's like, oh, that's why the bottle didn't cut in half because my mind and my spirit are going north and south. And I just love how Kurt Russell looks at him like- yeah, right, bro. Uh, He's just like nodding his head, like, mm, sure. I think that Jack Burton is a lot more, it's like more believable. His confusion is more believable than, um, you know, Chandler Yerold's. Uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but can I tell you that Jack literally has asks them to tell him the truth about mm-hmm. nine times in this movie, yes. and they keep on mm-hmm. telling him just for him to <laughs> in the very next scene go, now tell me what's going on here. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Have you guys seen the supercut of this, where it's just every time that Jack Burton is confused, it's just like, "What? What the hell? No. What's going on here, Wang? It's it's incredible." My favorite one of all of them is when um, 
they're actually like it's we're we're in the third act we think and they're going through okay, the tunnels right. they're going through the tunnels and that weird worm creature comes out and like eats one of the dudes <laughs> and he throws the magic marble yeah, into yeah, the hole sure. he's like you will come out no more what will come out no more what will come out no more that is my favorite one of all of them oh it's amazing i'm with you <laughs> what the fuck will he's, come out no he's more so angry and so confused and scared <laughs> it's so good so good meow lin is at the wing kong exchange wing is like i'm going i don't give a fuck and then homeboy uh jack burton's like i'm coming with you and then he says the brilliant line okay you people sit tight Hold the fort and keep home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. That is so good. So good that it doesn't even bother me that he refers to a bunch of, of, of ethnic people as you people. Oh, <laughs> but, but Margo is there too. But Margo is there. That's true. That's true. Um, that was just low hanging fruit. That it's just the fucking yeah. amazing line. Call the president. Of all yeah. time. You call the president. It's so, so fucking amazing. So yes. amazing. And then I just love how they pretend to be the, <laughs> yeah. the company. like rat catchers or whatever the fuck or repairmen no, or whatever. So he made like phone company and Jack is holding right. a fucking phone. He's holding a fucking corded phone and that's their disguise. That and denim jackets is their fucking disguise. Yes. I love it. Okay, that is my I tell you, the next part's my nightmare. Oh boy. When they <laughs> the go in the elevator water. and that bitch starts filling up with water, yeah. they end up in the hell of the upside down centers. Uh, with all those chewed yeah. up bodies. Oh Lord, it's so nasty. No. It's no. so terrible. No. It's so that's terrible. like the most yeah. horrific thing. And then that's when life. and then that's when they get captured by rain and we get to see his his amazing, lovely lady locks. That wig costs $3,000, by the way. That, it's, by 80 standards, makes all of Beyonce's pieces look like some ratty recycled Barbie hair. $3,000 weave. So, so lady locks, lady locks chops has got them in the room and he's, he's doing, he's dancing a tear and tell on their faces, trying to like fuck them up and then leaves them, right? Does he leave them in there? Or is this where Eddie shows up? Basically, we, we see the dude's hair and they go in the wheelchairs and they meet Lil Pen, who is now this crippled old man. Back at the Dragon of the Blackpool restaurant, Egg Shen, who is the authority on Lil Pen and a tour bus driver, is kind of like divining the future. There will be difficulty at the beginning, but we will bring order out of chaos. And he also, he says something about like the different kinds of like Chinese religions, like Buddhism, and basically then he says like taoist alchemy and sorcery and it's like is that one thing like it's like i'm an i'm an agnostic but it's like if that's one thing if it's like you could also believe in taoist alchemy and sorcery like oh that sounds kind of appealing to me yeah like, right can, is there a is there a like a, a meeting happening somewhere to yeah, yeah like can we yes can we talk about that you know let's that. go to that yeah. they have oreos and punch because i would i would sit through that meeting yeah. absolutely i like i i already dressed like egg shen i really i feel like as i've gotten older it's like oh yeah everyone thinks they're jack burton but really you know you're egg shen if you're lucky 
but you're very lucky. No, a no, a, a thing about Egg Shen, right? Because so like later on when he's like, I've been waiting a long time for this Lopan. At this moment, I'm like, wait, is Egg Shen also five thousand years oh, old? Oh, I have a note there. Like, yeah, how old is how old? Are you? Like, you could never, you never could beat me. He's like, oh, how old are? are and he's like, my Shen? after. And then like when it's all said and done, and he's like behind that curtain taking bong rips, right. and then he goes and he leaves. And yeah. he's like, where are you going? He's like, my work is done, right? And I'm like, have right. you been tailing Lopan since the beginning right. of time? Is that what's going on with Egg Shen? Uh, is that the deal? Right. I didn't even consider that. I've yeah. always, okay, like so that. so they're in the wheelchairs now. We get we get old man Lopan being the skeevster, trying oh, to like man. get information out of Wang yeah. about his lady so that he can like, you know, woo her better. And then gets pissed off to no end when he sees that his friends yeah. are like downstairs on the on the fucking cameras and that whole scene is absolutely hilarious and so once Lopan goes off like a crotchety old man to turn the hose on the people on yeah. his lawn that is when that is when Jack some somehow manages to slip free and then rolls down this mm -hmm. hallway that's when and that I, happens I also before like this is a movie where there's a lot of wet and then dry <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like in this scene, like they've just been underwater, and then now they're like, yes, bone dry. dry. His hair is puffy. Yes, you know, because like denim doesn't dry that quick. Like if yeah. you're if you're wearing nor jeans do Ren Fair boots. Swimming. Yeah. Oh man, tell me about it. Uh, those are lessons you learn the hard way. Um, so, so basically, I keep going back to this hallway thing because I've always right always tripped on the part where he rolls backwards in front of the well and the wheel is just caught so but he's awfully nimble for a truck driver okay mm -hmm. like the guy has really he's spry well, and capable for someone that spends most of his time on his ass in a truck and so when that wheelchair gets stuck precariously mm -hmm. at the edge of this this tunnel going down to like the hell of the upside down sinners um and he manages to just walk it far enough forward that it's away and then he manages to step up out of it why does he have to then yeah. kick it into the hole that always pissed me off i was like you didn't need to do well, that you could have just kept rolling and then he like made yeah. all this noise by like kicking this thing Asha, back out into the hole <laughs> i know as a man let me tell you that's a man shit that's <laughs> what i was just going to explain that to her it's just a man thing Okay. You gotta kick the object. Yeah, yeah. you just oh, destroy okay. that shit. I'm gonna destroy this FDR wheelchair into this well. Right? And I'm done it's with fucking it. Fucking FDR wheelchair. That's exactly what it is. Yes. All right. Okay. So Actually, I, I, I'm, I stole that. Like, we were watching that last night, and Nisha came up with FDR wheelchair. And so that's that's uh, completely. I'm giving <laughs> credit, 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 credit where credit Yeah, credit where it's due. Right on, Nisha. Um, that is exactly what those fucking things are. So yeah. Before he lands in the wheelchair, he like jumps on Thunder's back with the knife, he, like, you know, where they're all trying to escape and he like, you know, he's like, all right, I got the guy. And he starts to expand. Yeah. And uh, Wang says, come on, Jack. And he looks around and like, uh, how? Cause he's like, how do I, he's like, I'm on this guy. So he doesn't kill us. How do I escape? I can't, I can't actually get into or win a fight. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> so through this scene, what we have found out about Lopan is that he has been cursed he's like 2000 years old he's cursed he's got uh incorporality right so no nobody but to to break the curse needs to marry a girl with green eyes uh and then oh we don't we don't learn this yet but i'm just gonna i'm gonna spoiler alert um uh he not only has to 
marry the, the, the girl with green eyes, but he also has to kill her, right? And Miao Lin, of course, has green eyes. So that's why this whole thing is happening. And she's now floating mm -hmm. in a weird iridescent gown. Yes. The rainbow bright dress. Yeah, the rainbow bright dress just hovering in space. And then he comes in and he's, he says yeah. all of these, Miao Yin, I need you. Yeah. And he like tries to like, feel up her boobies with his non-corporeal yeah. hands and it's very eerie and, to me i don't like okay it. but you, see, you called him a drama queen earlier i'm gonna call him a drag queen here because <laughs> purple eyeshadow and the longest fucking fake nails in the world I, I think like what he says to her here is is not dissimilar from you know just teenage love poetry really yeah um <laughs> okay so now they go off and save gracie and Margot. Um, who have been captured. Margot is sitting there writing, you know, her her article. But like Gracie is like hogtied. <laughs> so she's yeah. a wild card. That's what Margot says. She's, she's tied up over there because she's a wild card. Like she fought back, you know. I also love that like, you know, these 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 poor women that are are being, you know, have been abducted and are about to be farmed out for prostitution are being guarded by these like lady ninjas that just whoop the mm -hmm. fuck out of them to start yeah i i love how much eddie and wang get their asses kicked in this scene like, <laughs> like afterwards like eddie's like oh man like just looks like this is hard like being alive is hard yeah, like, <laughs> i think they seriously either they get they get fucked up yeah. fucked up and yeah and i just love yeah jack burton once again comes through cuts gracie loose and then is like this is disgusting freeze all of yeah. these ladies yeah i but Everybody. i love that moment where margo asks like how are you going to spring us he says i have no idea it's just <laughs> yeah of course i think they go into the sewer after this like yeah they, they jump they into all... the pool and they do it and this is where jack and gracie share their first kiss and uh, gentleman that he is, he apologizes afterwards. I actually thought it was kind of sweet. I, you know, I mean, like, I think it would have been corny as fuck, except for the fact that it, like the dialogue afterwards is kind of perfect. And the way she's like, hey, I think what it is, is they pop the bubble of the corniness. They like, mm -hmm. okay, so in this one, they do that. But later on, of course, they have the kiss in, the elevator before he faces Lo Pen, and then he spends the rest of the scene with lipstick on. Yes, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in film. Yes, but when they all get out of the water, Jack says, uh, "Everybody relax, I'm here." Uh, and again, we have the thing where they're all soaking wet, and they yes. become very dry very, very rapidly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. Like, how many days were they trying to get to Egg Shen's van? Like, is it <laughs> is it an entire week? Is it is Air. it just very warm and dry? Like yeah. are there just a lot of fans? Um, all sorry, their hair is I, bone I, dry, clothes are bone yeah. dry, everything. Makeup. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, pre I I appreciate uh, Kurt Russell with dry hair because that is a magnificent head of hair. Uh, I would say top ten best uh, heads of hair of all time in at least in film. Uh, I don't I'm know. gonna give him number one because I haven't thought about yeah. it. So I'll give him number think, one on this. Like Kevin, like Kevin Bacon had some game. Yes. Uh, like especially, I think in, in Tremors he's got some great hair. But like yes. Kurt Russell just always, and even now you look at him now, it's like Jesus Christ. All right. 
brother, we're going to have to work on this list because you are absolutely right. (laughs) So, okay. So this is where we have the huge Kung Fu scene then where Wang just like fucks everybody up. So, yeah. So like Jack goes like, all right, we're going to, you know, a couple of twists and turns. We're out of here. And then he opens the door and then there's all those killers and he closes like, we may be trapped. Yes. I love that. It's, it's proper comedy. You know, it's like, right. all right, when we get through these doors, everything's going to be normal. We're just going to go through. It's going to yeah. be great. And just, and just it's yeah. like a double take. When they go into, they're pretending to be the phone guys. They're like, all right, Wang, this is going to take Cracker Jack timing. Cut to phone company. I'm holding a telephone in my hand, you know. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So yeah, so this is where this is where Jack Burton once again just shows like what an upstanding duty is. Where he's like, he only they only saw me. You guys all hide. You know, I'll I'll basically die for all of you. And then Wang is like, no man, together, together we fight. Door opens up. He goes to go. He he manages to like kick off a couple of rounds and then goes to go for his knife. And in the time that he's fumbling for his knife, Wang takes out the entire gang, like doing backflips and just power hits. A lot of porcelain Buddhas get crashed in this scene. Yes, like there's yes, there's like of, a whole shelf a of them, Buddha in fact. damage, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so then they then there's that very dramatic run to the van, right? But this is where, this is where Gracie Law, being Gracie yeah. Law, has to like poke her nose around a corner and get jacked by Fukushima Chewbacca. Like, what the fuck is that thing? It, its mouth reminds me a little of the Amy vampire from the end of Fright Night. Yes. Like it's just like, how does that mouth work? Like, it's just like a, a non-functioning monster. Yeah, mouth. like how do you eat without eating yourself? Yeah. How is yeah. that, how is it possible? A non-functioning monster mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm living for it. So she, yeah, so she gets, so she gets jacked by the fucking Fukushima Chewbacca orangutan looking thing. It has thumbs because it manages to lock her up. I know. You know, it has, it has very dexterous hands. I'm with you. I love how it's like, it's monster and it's just like, but then it's like, okay, but now we have to tie her up. Has very refined motor skills. Yes. And he can put the cuffs on her and leave her chained for rain and now that I, now I can't call them by their pet names now that I know they have real names so rain and thunder rain and thunder find her and they're like oh cool we can bring the boss yet another girl with green eyes and they are just too stoked on this it's like a little almost a little creeper I'm like what what is your what is your investment I at some point had to start creating us like the what is the storyline with the three storms mm-hmm. and why are they so involved with Lo Pan and so willing to do his bidding and I was trying to imagine like what is the storyline that like when Lo Pan um, becomes corporeal once more like do the three storms then get to like take sections of the earth as their own or some shit like why are they mm. so on board with Lo Pan's plan right that's what I'm, I'm yeah. gone I've gone fanfic I've branched off because I've always wondered that in all of these films where there's like an evil dude. And like, like fucking Sardo Numsi, like, why are these like, why are there like other monks that are like, yeah, I'm down to fucking kidnap a little baby child and fucking torture it with evil. <laughs> you know what I'm like, why are you down? I think it's a good point to make because these three guys, like, was it Thunder? When he sees Lopen dead, like, no one kills him. Yeah, he just, if, like, that's what I, that's, and that's really where I was like, okay, my fan fiction theory must be right because otherwise why upon seeing Lopan be dead would he just choose to be so upset 
that he would blow his mm-hmm. own damn self up. I've always thought he looked like a Garfield kid. Like I, I, I was gonna, <laughs> I have a note here. I was like, I want people to be on my side about this. Um, yeah. Yeah, we are, we're in fact of the same mind on that, George. I'm like, that's a garbage pail kid. And I don't think that, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like that it was an accident in the makeup, the puffy limbs, the whole shit. I was like, oh, they were like, what's yeah. gross? A garbage pail yeah. kid. And it yeah. looks more like a garbage pail kid than the garbage pail kids in Garbage pail Kids, the movie, which I exactly. own. Exactly. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. You, you know, made a reference to Garbage Pail Kids, the movie on one, on one of the episodes of your podcast that I was listening to. And I had to like stop dead in my tracks because I had actually... <laughs> Like my brain had allowed me to forget about the Garbage Pail uh, Kid movie and yeah. was immediately like, how do I find that? How do I find the Garbage Pail Kid movie how, that I need to watch I don't that again? I don't think I've ever seen it. So is it is oh, it well. like a cartoon or is it all like- like Live uh, action. Live action. Live action? Yes. We need, we need copies of this. It is horrendous, horrific stuff of mm-hmm. nightmares. I'm dying to watch it. <laughs> I'm yeah. dying to watch it. All right, so back at the restaurant, Jack Wing and Egg Shen prepare for the rescue. Um, and they're going to return to Lopans to save Mao Yin and Gracie. And they are traveling in the tunnels under Chinatown. And I kind of like, I love um, Egg Shen's spot with that. Oh, like, man. Here, I was like, I want to live in that place. Yes. Definitely. That is a fucking also, bomb ass, like industrial oh. style apartment with the old car in there. And he's got that dining room table and then all of his like artifacts. He goes and around the card catalogs. Yeah, all right. Of that stuff. Fuck, it was so cool. And he's like, this place is a dump. I'm like, you don't know shit, Jack Burton. You live in a truck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You live in a truck and eat hoagies. This man has got class <laughs> and style and has clearly been around for 5,000 years. And there's a whole bunch of spooky shit in jar. The thing that I love in this scene where they take over, they take the, the covering off of like the pole that slides down yes. to the underworld. And like a low pan, or no, Egg Chen says, um, uh, come on, Jack, don't be afraid. And he says, afraid? Are you kidding? And he turns away and looks like this scaredest little kid. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I... I I love Jack. He's I, he's a great character. He's a great character. So like down the pole they go, and then this is where we see the giant rat worm, fucking <laughs> tremors creature comes out, eats that one yeah. poor unfortunate dude. Magic marble, best freaked yeah. out moment of Jack Burton's ever. Meanwhile, thunder and rain and lightning are showing off their skills in the ceremony of the burning blade, which of course is the ceremony that the our two green-eyed mistresses need to pass in order to be worthy of breaking the curse. And this the ceremony is pretty hilarious. I mean, first yeah. we've got Thunder comes out and like all his shit is like in slow-mo. It's so dramatic. And then Rain comes out, little tiptoes yeah. down the stairs, with the blades. And then he puts them over their head, they light up. They grab a hold, they go up, and then the litmus test, the defining factor for whether or not they have passed is if they can make a light bulb turn on. So I, as a kid, it was like, (laughs) this was always the part where I I kind of lost it a little. I was like, "Ah, I don't know that I'm interested. And now that I've I've performed weddings, I guess this would be the rehearsal dinner. I have a question. So 
Thunder does his like ceremonial walk mm. down the aisle with his blades, but like the other two, like the the spinning forks and the back scratchers have disappeared. They're yeah, like no longer in the film. We don't need those anymore. And like, where the fuck has Lightbright been this whole time? He has not been in yeah. the movie since the street since he stole her, right? Since he stole Miyagi, yeah. and we have not seen Lightbright once. And then all of a sudden, there he is to like whoosh, he's he's the one who does the extra magic. I always thought that was strange. Like, where have you been? <laughs> I feel like Thunder is the one of those three that is actually a martial artist. And so it's like, well, let's just show more of him doing stuff. Because also, okay. you know, you can take a shirt off and he looks like that. And let's just, let's film that. He is, you know what? He's Probably like the, the, what's the guy in He-Man with like many faces? Oh yeah, Manny Faces. <laughs> That's actually his name. I didn't have to think about that for a second. They straight up win the plastic duck. Oh my God. <laughs> now, Sasha, the rescue team arrives at Lopan's. Well, like okay. when they come into Lopan's, they land on this big pile of dead fish. Dead fish. Just, and there's that one uh, guy who's just eating the raw fish and he offers it to Jack. And uh, it's just, uh, fuck, Kurt Russell is perfect. He just looks at it and like, uh, later. He just says later. Later, yeah. It's didn't didn't remember that as a kid, and yeah. And the elevator scene after they have um, drank the potion is just. I'm feeling very positive about this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. feeling real, real, pretty damn invincible. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And then we get to see the fucking eyeball monster. The eyeball monster. The yeah, Slimer, Slimer of Chinese lore, shows up that yeah. thing is amazing you know it's, there's another part later on where it like licks his eyeball yeah tongue has a eyeball yeah. on it yeah. and we should just take a moment to talk about the amazing monsters in this just i mean we've kind mm -hmm. of mentioned them but like again i heart the 80s like no cgi like this is like people in fucking you know well, that thing is that thing is some kind of cgi isn't it that's the only is it, it it's no it, i think the is that like a, a practical puppet. effect yeah i think oh, it's a model God. i think i think maybe they did model. cgi just to hold him up you know but that could have just the been thing a, itself exists yeah right? like I someone think built that model, amazing right? it has to be yeah. it looks like a model but they're all amazing like i love how grody they are they're just <laughs> it's really grody you're right. That's the word. Like the how veiny, like the tongue looks like a real weird tongue, and with the eyeball on it, it's just, ugh. And and you don't get monsters like this anymore. Like like they're better than the never-ending story monster animatronics. You know, these ones are like you know lo-fi, and I dig it. I just really do. I miss I miss the time of practical props. I miss mm -hmm. when things were like when there were models and puppets and yeah. all of that and. Imagination. Oh God. It's, it's seriously coming back around. Like I think that the, there's like this new generation of filmmakers who want that. They don't want the CG stuff. They want like things that you could touch. And so it's very exciting to, to, to see some of that coming back in. And oh. in our last movie, we, we have a, a friend of ours is a puppeteer and he makes things. So we have some creatures that are like puppet creatures. Like the first one we had um uh some aliens and the last one we had a psychedelic freak out 
person that appeared as a bird puppet. We had an albino chimpanzee from Ireland that was one of the characters. And uh, it was all practical, of course. And um, yeah. And I, I played a skeleton in one of them, a skeleton wearing a fez, who was also a business agent um, for the devil in, in one of the movies. So yeah, I need to see this. We, we are, we are fans of 20 yeah. good reasons to watch your movie. Yeah. <laughs> you just, oh, I am dying to watch your movie. All right. All right. I will make it happen. Um, so long as you're the eyeball monster. I will be. No problem. Okay. I'll be your braid, maid of honor, just yeah. eyeballs, just eyeballs yeah. all over my dress. No, I mean, I think that might be a reason to marry someone. Like if you could meet somebody who is like, hey, I want to get married. Um, but if I do, it has to be big trouble, little China theme. And if yeah. the dude is like, yeah, I'm down, then you know, you're meant to be together forever. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, George, you're getting married. I'm just throwing this out to you. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I've always wanted the uh, neon skull. Uh, escalator. Oh, I mean, their wedding dresses and their makeup. I'd wear that to my wedding. When I thought about like doing the Jack Burton costume, it would have to be with the lipstick. I mean, like you have to have the lipstick. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely totally crucial element. So God, you know, this scene is just like, we cannot scene by scene this. So basically um, just to kick it off, um, Lopan uses the needle of love uh, to pierce through Mao Lin's wrist. And then, and that is going to break his curse and make him um, a real man again. And then the battle happens. So much happens. I mean, the first thing of course is Jack <laughs> enters and, and, you know, ready to like take down, he takes a gun, shoots into the air, the ceiling caves in on him and he is knocked out for the first five minutes yes. of the fight. <laughs> Because as as only Jack Burton would do. I mean, basically, when he fires that gun into the ceiling and knocks himself out, he he basically cracked a pinata of action open for us. Like everything happens yeah. at once. As a kid, I had never seen something like that. Like there's a scene in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's checking out like all his bruises. Uh, they're on the boat and they've got the, the, the big mirror and Marion goes to move it because it's like dusty. And you can see just like wax him in the underneath the chin and you cut to like the outside of the boat and you hear him like screaming like that's the closest to this that i had seen but he's still he's still like you know killed a bunch of nazis jack yeah. Burton like sort of luckily killed one guy before this who was going to kill yeah. him and he just gets knocked out like he just, can't get into a fight he can't win a fight it's wonderful He's, he's basically faking it to make it along the whole way. Like he, you know, yeah. that's that he never yeah. really thinks that he's yeah. going to be in any way a badass, but he actually is, um, despite the fact that he's also a bit of a buffoon. And so right. he's on the floor and then all hell has broken loose. It's just fights all around. Wang not only is just a Kung Fu master, but that motherfucker can fly and can take rain on like hit for hit with the sword which is pretty like which is pretty crazy that that fight between them is is amazing but my favorite part has to be of course egg shen and lopan with their little they what egg shen's got a crystal in his hand what and then lopan doesn't need anything because he's like a magic man and they put the lights up and then the two warriors show up in green and purple and battle it out and the way they're just like yeah and the faces and the, the the tension between the hands and the light 
I would watch that. That scene could have been 20 minutes and I would have been really happy It about could it. have been 20 minutes. I would have watched it. I'd have been fine with it. Absolutely fine with it. Homeboy being low pen, he's got those motherfucking nails. So when he's actually like doing the controllers, you oh see my God. like oh my God. gigantic but... nails going. <laughs> like so this. amazing. But it is kind of funny that like the storms are the storms, right? So you mm -hmm. would think that it, they would be harder to kill than just like Wang landing in a fancy way and like tossing a sword over his shoulder and plugging homie in the chest. Like you would think the blade would have to be made of pure gold or some shit, you know what I mean? Like- Yeah, yeah. you guys were talking little... about this before, how the storm uh, or the, the weathermen, can we call them the, the weathermen? weathermen? Yes. Sure. The weathermen. Perfect. Um, so we were talking, you guys mentioned earlier how they're so badass and they're so magical that they, they all, all three die in kind of, Really like, anticlimactic eh. ways. Yeah, he gets plugged yeah. in the chest with a blade. I would say anticlimactic because one is quite climactic. But oh, uh, right, it's, that's fair. Yes, but, but and then and then Stay Puffed blows himself up. Thunder blows himself mm -hmm. up, and then Lightning <laughs> Light Bright mm -hmm. gets bonked in the head. I yes. That's all it takes. I he just gets yeah. bonked. What? What? That's really silly. It's really silly. And what makes no sense about that is yeah. like. Bro, you can fly. Like, why are you even like <laughs> tripping on this hole in the ceiling? Like, he can he can move straight up. He's basically he like Thor, right? Yeah, he's like a controlled right. lightning. So he should be able to do something more than just. Get and, and then and then and then all the whole the like when he's like at the other end of this corridor and he's like doing a laserium show for them. Like, a, I'm gonna fuck you up. Look at me <laughs> and my lightning fingers. Don't just you wait. I could come, I'm like, why are you even bothering with this little like light show? You have the power of lightning. Like you could literally just, he could just point one finger, be like zap straight to their heart. But he's doing this whole laserium Griffith Park Observatory preamble, <laughs> you know. My, one of my favorite moments we haven't mentioned is that Egg Shen deflects his lightning with like a metal fan. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's, and then we, we also, we skipped over um, Lo Pen's undoing. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say here about this. Say it. But, uh, Go through it because this is a this is a monumental part that we yeah yeah. So over. before before we got there, like Jack knocks himself out in a fight, and then gets trapped under a body that he's killed. Like the one guy he oh, also fuck. kills, he stabs with his knife, his boot knife. Yes. And then he's trapped under the the weight of the guy's armor. He's like, oh no. It's just, it's incredible. So yeah. much else happens and he's still fighting with the guy on yeah. top of him. To and, and then there's a moment like where he gets up and he like, there's this really triumphant camera pan. He's got his gun. He's like, feeling all right. Like, all right, I, I, I woke <laughs> up from being knocked out. I got out from underneath that dead body, feeling good. And the guy just like, Thunder picks up his gun and smashes it. And just, there's like, Jack never has an easy go of it in this movie. It's great. It's great. Except for, uh, and then there's the low pan scene where it's all in the reflexes. Sure. sure. So I, yeah, you know, Chekhov always said, if you brag about your reflexes in the first act, <laughs> um, you've got to put them to use in the third act. So uh, that's what, what has happened here um, with the knife throwing. As a kid, it was like so confusing. Like, wait, he missed, like he threw the knife and he missed it. All this stuff, like I had never seen this. Like I'd never seen a hero be this fallible. Like I could see watching this as a kid and not being, um, or watching this as a, a man kid, right? Or a boy is what they call them. Man kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've heard of this, I've heard of this. 
and um, and actually kind of being into it. I mean, as a kid, like I sort of didn't see all of the little flaws, um, but it was like one of the first times, you know, we, we like kids, we would like play like, oh, we're gonna play Star Wars, or we're gonna, you know, and everyone would want to be Han Solo. But this is like the first time when it was like, it's okay to be Wang. Like you don't like you're like it's not like Batman and Robin. It's just sort of like. It's like, well, sort of Batman and like really awesome Robin. I, I, the more I watch, it's like, God, I, I love Wang. Like Wang Chi is so great. Yeah. He's... Wang's the guy. Um, yeah. And he gets the girl who, I made a note here how Malian, like this is the first time we actually hear her speak is in this scene. And, we do. Right. And we only hear her speak off camera. <laughs> I don't, God, I watched this four fucking times. When did, what does she say? She just, he's, this like is- no or? Just, yeah, she's just like, no, I don't want to marry you. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Not that it matters because I mean, it's not like they don't treat women badly in this movie, like, which is awesome. You know, like, I mean, yeah, they, like I could see very easily in the eighties how Gracie Law could have been the most obnoxious, annoying character. She could have been a fucking Ariel or an Ugg Andy, um, but she wasn't. You know, she like, you know, whether it was great acting or in my opinion, it was like great acting plus great script. That her and Margot though, together at that, in the end scene when they're all back at the apartment and, you know, Jack Burton's on the way out the door and she's like <sighs> up against the door frame, just like, oh, dreamy Jack Burton. And, and Margot's like, you're not even gonna kiss her goodbye. Like, I just love, I love all that, like, it yeah. doesn't, it's, oh God, it's so great. You know, we, we're really going to have to break down the end scene because yes. I've got yeah. a lot to say about it. But before we do, yes, um, I've got a trivia question for George. Oh, good Lord. All right. Yeah. You ready, George? What we what happens, of course, is they, they escape, right? And everyone gets killed who's a bad guy and all the good guys survive. Awesome. So George, here's my trivia question. Okay. On the Pork Chop Express, what is um, written into the grill on, on, the, on the front? Oh, oh man. <laughs> is it hauling ass? It is. No. <laughs> Fuck yes, George. I'm gonna stump you. Fuck yes. You did it. You got it. I cannot believe it. Are you impressed, Sasha? I don't um, even know. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. You know, I knew you had it in you, George, but I am like really <laughs> impressed. You know, you just went a, a notch up in my book. Now we're at the end. Everyone's celebrating at the restaurant. Mao Lin and Wang are going to get married. Um, Egg's going to take a vacation. Margot and Eddie are getting together. And then, then we've got mm -hmm. Jack leaving without a kiss. And this is so amazing. Number one, I don't know why it's so refreshing to me but i love that they don't end up like together yeah like yeah i don't know why that's like of course not they shouldn't like and and i mean though it does make me laugh that you know she's a, a lawyer supposedly and she's like i'll give up being a lawyer and go on the road with you if you you know if you were to get a little apartment in the back of that truck you know just a little thing built for two She's a lawyer and she'd rather live in a semi truck. When I played MASH, that was always the one that I hoped I would land on. 
And, and the dialogue at the end is great. Jack is back on the radio. It, it, it ends how it began, or how, let's say it this way. How it, it should have yeah. began, right? Just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earthquakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and says, give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. I wish we still had answering machines because I would put that on my hands. Oh my God. <laughs> you know I mean? oh, like, seriously. Really good. Uh, but of course, then at the very end of the film, what happens? The Amy from Friday Night pops up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the orangutan pops up. Uh, yes. So, so I have read numerous places, and I'm sure you've read this as well. Is that they they actually did set this up for a sequel, but because it was such a bomb, they could not get enough money to make a sequel. That's so sad. Um, sad, but kind of not sad. In my I know. like, you know, I'm I'm glad that this has that essence of not becoming. Yeah. You know, Six. Oh, I read that the fucking rock was trying to get John Carpenter yeah. to do a remake of this. And if they do, if I will boycott, I will be there. Yeah. No, I will not vote for the rock for president. If he does that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, it, it, you know, honestly, I'm not going to make that statement because it really depends on who his opponent is. Exactly. Um, exactly. But I will say there have been some comic book sequels and they're sort of, they really, really lean into the goofiness. And what it is, is um, Jack and the orangutan become buddies. And it's sort of like, oh God, those Clint Eastwood movies with him and Clyde the orangutan. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. And it's What are those great. called? What are those called? Uh, any which way but loose and yes. every which way, any which way you can. Uh, yeah. So it's basically that, but them like making their way through the underworld together like like through Hades or something and it's adorable amazing <laughs> all right any other takeaways on our film I think I think my takeaway from this was just like I never realized how fucking hilarious Lopan was like that oh, was my that was my big surprise for this one was I never realized like how hilarious that character is that was is and will always be because that's like the inimitable Lopan I, yeah, I might want to be low pan for Halloween. Yeah. He's, you know. he's great. And I, I think I, I forgot to mention um, that I did go to school with his daughter. And so he would be waiting for her outside of school, like in his like Mercedes. And she did a presentation, like a class presentation on the makeup effects, which was like the coolest show and tell I ever, ever, ever experienced. It was like, holy shit. Like you're talking about like the liver spots that they put on his head when he was old low pan. And so, so cool. Oh my god, that, that's, that's the best show and tell that anybody's ever yeah. experienced. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's better than puppies. That's better than people bringing their <laughs> to school. Like, I, I saw this as a double feature. Uh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, uh, and maybe twenty. And like John Carpenter was there asking, answering questions. It was like a double feature of Escape from New York and this. And he's like, "Yeah, Escape from New York. We wanted to make a really cool Clint Eastwood movie." And then we wanted to make a really like buffoon John Wayne movie. And it was, uh, it was great. It was like his two big Westerns. And I think yeah, so. I now want to, I now want to watch more John Carpenter movies. Cause, cause again, he does mean has done a lot of horror stuff and I've seen 
his non-horror stuff, but I would like, I, I think I could try the escape movies at least. Cause I know I've seen oh, yeah. like, the boy who could fly and the Philadelphia project. That was like a big, that was a movie that I watched for some reason, a number of times as a kid. It was on I HBO had, all the time. But yeah, I have, I've only seen his like, like the, the memoirs of, of the invisible man, oh. star man. And I, I think, I think I saw oh, Christine, yeah. but I haven't seen any of his like greater horror overs. So I would like to, I would like to maybe. Yeah try the thing the thing will fuck you up i think but uh i love starman like starman is one of my favorite movies it's just so beautiful my mother fucking loves starman we're gonna have to do it because i watched it 50 times not me putting it on my mother it's like it's like everything my mother loves jeff bridges who also has very good hair actually jeff bridges was hot as fuck in those young days Mm -hmm. baby girl no Mm -hmm. jeff bridges can get it I would agree. But, um, uh, I, I, and I, I'll I'll take I'll take Starman over ET any day of the week. So, final question of the night, or the midday for you guys, uh, on a transatlantic flight, and this one's going to be a tricky one. Would you watch Big Trouble in Little China, The Big Lebowski, or anything with Liam Neeson? Who gets to go first? You're the guest. You're the okay. guest. Um, so I love The Big Lebowski. It's one of those movies like Bad Santa um, or, um, you know, <laughs> Wings of Desire, where I can just watch it anytime. Um, uh, but it's got nudity, and that's always uncomfortable on a flight. I remember when Wolf of Wall Street, like Wolf of Wall Street came out, and like all these dudes had it on their laptop. Like all these flights I was on, it was like, like, like one minute into it, they're like slamming the laptops. So I was like, oh shit, did anyone see that? Oh God, oh God. Uh, so I'd probably say Big Trouble Little China. <laughs> and then maybe like pull my jacket over the screen to watch The Big Lebowski. Like just the parts, like I think some of the stuff that like, you know, the, the Jackie Treehorn stuff. I think there's a little bit of nudity in that. Fully, fully relate to this. And I think that's what I said in the joysticks episode. It's like, I would watch joysticks, except for I would feel really like I was doing something kind of pervy if this, if my seat was in the view of any like one that was traveling with children or had, you know, was, was stuffy in any kind of way. I would feel really uncomfortable. Like I was forcefully making them watch porn that they didn't sign up for so yeah i would i would have to say that i would go for big trouble in little china wait for everyone else to have fallen asleep because i can't sleep on a plane then watch the big lebowski yeah and then i would like do big trouble in little china again i have to say that i have never and maybe i'm that asshole like i've never considered like oh somebody's gonna watch me watching something naked I'm like in the zone, like, I don't go fuck, but, but I love the fact that that's what both of you are concerned of. You guys are very much more thoughtful than me and I can learn things from you. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me the ways of what to watch etiquette on an airplane. Uh-huh. But, but throwing that out, I have to say that like, I love the Big Lebowski. I think it's such a funny movie. But now I really love this movie too. Like I would laugh out loud again, just to hear Lil Penn say that he's pissed off. I would laugh out loud just again, listening to Kim Cattrall doing her best 1940s. So I I would just watch them one after another, after another, after another. They're both really good films. 
but I, I would say this before this rewatch, I wouldn't have put them in the same plane. And now I would, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. That yep. Victor Von Little right. China was such a fucking good film. Like, you know, it is. And it's like things that cool people always refer to, but all those cool people are cool for a reason. This movie's the shit. Well, I think, uh, I think I, you know, this is something we do on our podcast, but I think that I want to bring it over here because we have all agreed. I was worried, really worried going into this, that, that one or both of you would really look at this the way you did the golden child. Um, and the golden child is one of those movies where I liked it as a kid. And then it's like, no, I liked a couple scenes as a kid. Like really like when he tells the kids to shut up and the thing with, I want the knife and I'm not sure what else it's. Um, so <laughs> I'm so glad that, that we have so much to talk about. Um, so I think because of that, like in honor of that, in that we are all three in agreement, uh, I think for all the listeners out there of this show and my show, um, because of this, you all are entitled to uh, one free order of Macho Nachos from the Del Taco in Glendale, the main one, you know, the one I'm talking about. So um, they're not, so what you have to do is you you get that. And then once you have the receipt, take a photo of it and email it to um, worst scene at uh, eatingaftermidnight.gov. And then we will uh, reimburse you via check um, once that's all uh, been verified on our end. Uh, so uh, congratulations to all of us and congratulations to all of you listening. We've done it. Blessed and favored, blessed and favored are we. Thank you all so very much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. And thank you to our good friend, George Sukara, for joining us on this delicious reheat of Big Trouble in Little China. If you like what you heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. It'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? <laughs>